Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. I'm your host, Kat Kinsman, Senior Editor at Food & Wine. And (laughs) as is usual right now, I am recording from my apartment in Brooklyn because like the rest of you, I am social distancing at home. And uh, yeah, (laughs) we are all trying our best right now. So as always, I apologize for uh, sound quality if my radiator clanks on or uh, you hear my uh, neighbor's various animals and <laughs> my own. Um, but, you know, we're all trying our best right now. Um, somebody else who is definitely trying their best and, and doing a lot of really, really great work right now is uh, Trig Brown of uh, Winsun and Winsun Bakery in uh, in my borough here of, of Brooklyn, uh, you know, he's been through it like everybody in the restaurant industry lately, you know, the closing, the reopening. Um, and uh, <laughs> during all of this, also, um, he had a baby. Well, you know, he and his wife had, had a baby, a uh, little um, little bitty thing. And uh, he was dealing with this momentous uh development in his life while everything was happening in in restaurants um, and also being sick himself. Um, so despite all of that, because he is a person who uh, has been in restaurants for, for such a long time and is driven by the need to do well by everyone, he uh, established a fund for, um, you know, his own employees and undocumented workers because you know, the the truth of all of this is that American restaurants and so many American businesses run on the backs of labor from uh, immigrants and uh, of all different uh, paperwork statuses. And, you know, with without them, um, the industry would just crumble, and as would so many, um, you know, parts of the food pipeline. And they're uh, left out of any sort of benefits that uh, are, are being um, given out right now. Um, and, you know, he saw a problem with that. Uh, he wanted to protect the most vulnerable people in our ecosystem. So he made sure that folks around him are uh, being taken care of. Um, and I'll let him talk about that. Welcome, Trig Brown. Trig Brown, thank you for making time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh my gosh! So there are a million things I want to talk about uh, with you. You know, obviously we're all living in the middle of kind of hell right now, um, and different areas of the country are, uh, are dealing with it differently. But I wanted to talk to you in particular uh, because of an effort that uh, you made to take care of uh, some of the folks who get, frankly, overlooked in uh you know by the the federal government and aren't always um you know treated well by the system and are are pretty vulnerable so you know stop me if uh, yes so for folks listening uh we had a pre-conversation about this because uh it's a delicate subject matter because we want to keep people really really safe and since our pre-conversation yesterday the federal government has enacted some what i consider to be pretty hateful measures against uh immigrants and um you know they're the backbone of the the restaurant industry so um i want to talk about like let's first of all talk about winson and winson bakery and what that is so uh so folks who don't know you yet we'll we'll get a window into what you do yeah, uh, cool. So Winsun and Winsun Bakery are, um, it's a restaurant and a bakery slash restaurant um, across the street from one another in um, East Williamsburg. 
uh, we cook uh, Taiwanese American food, um, which is like uh, the best way we've been able to describe it. It's it's kind of fusiony, I, I suppose, but uh, you know, only because uh, you know I'm, I'm not like a classically trained um, you know, Chinese chef, and I'm I'm just like a white guy um, with with a you know deep interest in Taiwanese food and history. Um, my business partner and uh, dear friend Josh Koo and I met um, almost 10 years back and uh, kind of bonded over um, some mutual interests. Um, and uh, my, my mentor um, was kind of uh, in, uh, coincidentally, um, you know, he, he's a Taiwanese American guy. Um, well, actually he's just straight up American. He's from LA, um, mm-hmm. but his family is from, uh, is from, um, Northeast China, and they came to Taiwan um, with Chiang Kai-shek's regime, and I, that was about the extent of um, my mentor's uh, family history that we talked about. You know, we were we're still really good friends, and obviously talked about it a lot, a lot more since. But uh, you know, at the time, he was my cooking mentor, and I cooked like uh, country club, like French food for him, and then uh, I followed him to a Japanese restaurant and uh, cooked, uh, you know, kitchen. Uh, you know, the back of the house uh, food that you'd have, that you'd see at a sushi restaurant. So like tempuras and some roasted fishes and, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, it was kind of, it was high end for Charlottesville and uh, really fun. Um, that, that was in Virginia. So when I met Josh in New York um, and he told me he was, he was Taiwanese, um, you know, we kind of just naturally started to talk about like, um, you know, where he eats Taiwanese food and what that is. And we kind of, <clears throat> we'd go to these restaurants and um, that he grew up eating at and he would, you know, kind of share with me what, um, you know, um, his like appreciation of Taiwanese food. Um, you know, Josh grew up going to Taiwan in the summers and, um, you know, um, had, most of his family still lives there. Um, and, uh, you know, he had, a, he was in property management and uh, in construction and uh, he, he uh, we were basically, he was at a, he, he was vanilla boxing spot to lease out. And then, um, you know, our friendship coupled with, uh, some, uh, some fact, some other factors may, you know, kind of forced us to realize the opportunity in front of us to start a business together. And, uh, you know, we had just been eating and cooking Taiwanese food together so much that we, you know, we decided to jump, move forward with the Taiwanese, um, restaurant concept. And, uh, we imagined it to be like probably a little bit more casual and to go. And it ended up being a full blown restaurant concept that, um, has done it. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, it, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, uh, it's been a, a crazy journey to get to where we're at right now. We hopefully we can keep it up. Um, and you know, with this COVID stuff, uh, obviously we shut down our doors, um, a while ago, um, after about three weeks, we have, through maybe a little, a little more than three weeks, we opened up for to go and take out. Um, and we've been doing that through caviar, um, who's out of the services, um, takeout delivery ser- service platforms are pretty good to us. Um, good. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. I know we, we've been covering how a lot of them are pretty predatory. Yeah. I mean, they are, you know, um, and it, it's, it's hard for anyone that doesn't work in the restaurant business, you know, like on the line or on the floor to really understand like the gravity of some, you know, simple POS interface issues or, you know, um, 
you know, priority, prioritizing, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's crazy. So, not, you know, beyond that, um, you know, just thinking about it as a business, there's all sorts of things that are just misunderstood and not really, uh, treated fairly. And, you know, I think that stuff is working out, um, at the expense of some of these other platforms, hopefully, um, you know, like some of the, the more predatorial ones should, you know, hopefully get thrown to the wayside to some extent. But, uh, you know, Caviar has been relatively good to us. I think most of the issues we're, we've had are strange technical ones that, uh, you know, are, are seem unreasonable at certain times, but they, they've been, uh, they've been, they've been able to work with us and, and help us out. So, um, and they also cut their rates in half throughout this time. So they're, you know, I think it's still pricey for the customer, but at least for the restaurant, it's not, not too bad. Um, and, uh, you know, we just really appreciate anybody who's ordering through them because it helps us make transactions, you know, conduct transactions safely and keep our staff safe and keep customers safe. Well, if yeah. your system's been getting slammed, it's because everybody on the food and wine team in your delivery zone is ordering like crazy. Well, because that means a lot to me. I hope, I hope none of the food's getting there cold. It's definitely <laughs> a, a know, little bit if, First of all, I think it's probably been perfect. And second of all, if people can't deal with a little bit of inconvenience with you know how their delivery is showing up right now, they... Uh, man, we we all just have to be much, much kinder and more understanding to each other right now because, you know, I, I know that you have been working so, so intensely and you know, you've, you've had to make some tough decisions about, you know, being open. And then, you know, if you, if you can, like, what is safe for staff? And can you talk through a little bit about some of those decisions that you've had to make with, with staffing, uh, during this time to keep folks safe and also what you can afford? Yeah. Um, so, you know, to keep folks safe, I mean, we, you know, we initially, um, we, we kind of, uh, flirted around with the 50% thing, um, you know, 50% capacity. Um, which we weren't really super convinced was going to be that helpful because, you know, if you're doing 200 covers in one night, you know, is it really going to help you to do a hundred covers in a night? Mm -hmm. You know, so that, that weekend, um, was a little tough. We were like, well, it'll probably like work itself out. So we'll kind of see how it goes. And, you know, we realized some, some of our managers and staff team members were not exactly on the same page. And, you know, that information was flying out at a record speed, you know, like people were, you know, people were changing their mind, including ourselves and, you know, and what we felt comfortable with. And, um, you know, it was just a really tough weekend, um, right before the government mandated everybody to shut down, um, and, uh, or to go to, to go and delivery. And we actually decided to do that before, um, you know, um, before the government asked us to, to shut yeah. down our, dine-in operation um, because we realized what kind of pressure it was putting on the staff. And, um, you know, I, at that point, admittedly, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, you know, I was like, this is the flu. Come on. Like it's ridiculous. You know, because um, you know, my job is to be prof is to have a profitable business. My partner, Josh Q and Jesse Chappelle and I um, are, you know, our job is to run a business and if, and we can help our staff and we can help our team and, mm -hmm. you know, be, community members if we're running a successful business but if we're not you know then we can't do much to help so um the weight of 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 that being you know 
being on our shoulders is one thing, but then the government kind of, you know, at a federal level or a local level, whatever it is, you know, it's really frustrating that those kind of decisions fell on us. You know, there's, that was like the one, you know, I I expected leadership at some, (laughs) you know, I I didn't expect for us to have to, um, you know, basically make, make decisions that, that, yeah, it was just, it was really tough. Um, and, uh, you know, we we did decide to close because we thought it was the right thing to do. And, um, and afterwards, you know, immediately after we started thinking about how we could, you know, take care of how we could take care of health insurance premiums and rent and tax um, income, you know, sales tax, uh, you know, um, you've had a big things that, you know, build up so fast and can really bleed you dry. But, you know, if we, yeah, if we froze, froze the operation and, you know, limited the amount of money going out, we were like, well, you know, the people, we realized pretty quickly the people that were being screwed over, you know, without access to unemployment or government stimulus were the undocumented employees. Um, and we don't, you know, you know, that, that's like a, that's a tough thing to see. Um, you know, we, we have everybody that works for us is documented. Um, but you know, over the course of time, you kind of realize who, who's having more trouble or more challenges than others. And, you know, you kind of realize who's going to get access to those benefits and who's not. And, you know, the oftentimes like the people that are, that are, uh, having the most challenges with their, you know, if their citizenship status is in, in litigation or, if they're, you know, actively pursuing it or, you know, whatever their case may be, the ones that are most challenged are the ones that are least likely to get assistance. And uh, even though they pay taxes, I think that is something that people, a, a lot of people don't understand is that even if folks are undocumented, they still pay taxes. Yeah. They just don't get anything back. Yeah. They, yeah. yeah. It's I, I was I was reading last night and I, you know, I'll double check to make sure about this, but I was seeing that a lot of uh, like U.S. citizens who are married to legal immigrants are not getting their stimulus checks. Uh, and that was, uh, you know, a, sort of a big surprise to me. And then, uh, you know, there was a Twitter edict uh, last night from the commander in chief who was halting uh, immigration and you know, legal immigration even. And it, it was such a, a fundamental misunderstanding of who makes up uh, this country. And I want to focus this and I want to you know tread lightly, but also you know, talk about this, uh, about who makes up who works in restaurants, because, you know, you're saying you you don't have undocumented people and stuff, but the industry would fall apart without immigrants of all different statuses. And they're... With other industries too. Um, Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy that, that people are so unwilling. You know, I mean, if you, I think Eater did an article and posted it about undocumented workers and funds that are out there to support um to support these folks and like the comments are like really hateful um, because, you know it, it's just people have a, a gross misunderstanding of the role these folks play and um you know it's 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 really sad um and uh and it and it's crazy to me to see how um how these folks are you know the, everybody's getting paid such good unemployment um you know, or, or a lot of people, not everybody, a lot of people are having trouble getting on point too, but, 
My husband's been waiting for weeks for his unemployment to come through. So yeah, so I didn't mean to you know bundle him in that uh, in that category, but. You know, yeah. the people that are getting unemployment uh, tend to be doing pretty well for themselves and uh, I'm happy for them. Um, but it's also, you know, and I'm sure some of our uh, our immigrant employees would be enjoying the same benefits if they could. Um, but, you know, it, I wouldn't have been able to, my, you know, my partner Josh and I are running both restaurants day and night. Um, you know, we're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays, thank God. Um, but the, uh, but, you know, we're, we're working day and night and you know, um, our, uh, assistant general manager, uh, Kat is with us and our manager across the street at bakery, Kevin is with us there. And then aside from that, you know, without the assistance of, you know, of, uh, you know, folks from Central America, one of our employees from Taiwan, um, a doc, a dreamer too. Um, you know, these folks are like, are making it so that we can operate. And, um, it's, it's like emotional to see, um, you know, to see, to see that because, um, you know, it's just not, it's just not really properly understood. And, and, you know, the least we could do as like a, as the American people or whatever is provide some, you know, is to demand pathways to citizenship after this is all, you know, said and done to some extent, because, you know, people wouldn't be getting fed without, without these folks. And, uh, and it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, with like kind of the, the, the pulse I, I like take politically, like, um, you know, I, I'm from, I'm from Virginia and, I, and I've lived in New York for a long time now, but I can, you know, I can tell there's, uh, that, that, that kind of, um, spreads over a, a wide and diverse group of people, um, ethnically, politically, and socioeconomically, um, you know, um, and I, and I, and I feel like, uh, you know, a lot of people are super defensive of Donald Trump, especially, you know, like uns unsolicited, mm -hmm. um, you know, statements defending him. And um, I'm from know, Kentucky, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, you get it, right? It's like, you know, a lot of people, you know, it's just like, it's, it's just weird. I, I don't understand. I, I don't think it's like a very conservative or Republican ideal to, you know, adamantly defend the leader. And, you know, the Republican Party is all about like power to truth and um, but everybody's just, um, everybody's just falling in line right now and kind of doing that, you know, doing what they're told. And it's like, you know, it's, it's just like gross misinformation and, um, you know, it's just crazy. Like, uh, you know, and I, and I feel like so, sort of like at some level hypocritical because, you know, like I was, I wanted to keep my business open mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, we ended up, we ended up shutting down before the government asked us to, but, you know, but like, that's that's my job, right. Is to be profitable. The government is like, their job is to protect people, you know, to some extent. Right. And, um, and I, uh, you know, so I'm very, I'm, I'm pretty like, you know, resentful of, of the way things are being handled and the way, uh, you know, money's being mismanaged and the disadvantages some people have, you know, it's just, it's frustrating. I, I don't know if people will, will even realize that, that, you know, on, undocumented or folks with documentation challenges are the ones that are, you know, are, are a lot of the ones really stepping up. You know, there's a lot of nurses and doctors and grocery store workers and restaurant workers and, um, you people know, people in agriculture. It, not, yeah. Agriculture. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's crazy. Um, and, uh, 
I keep I keep saying that it's crazy. But, but uh, you you have taken some measures to uh, take care of of people. Uh, in your orbit and set up a fund. And can you, uh, because I, I want people listening to this, if they have inclination to do a similar thing about what uh, the mechanics are of, of that and, you know, how you do the collection, how you do the distribution of it. Um, just, you know, because I, I see these um, efforts popping up uh, around the country and I'm really heartened by it, but, you know, mutual aid, is is only going to get us so far. We absolutely need government intervention. But you you know you've come up with something that I, I think is a really good thing that um, you know our fantastic colleague Kushbu Shah uh, wrote about when when you first did it. So can you talk about um, how how that fund is working? Yeah. So uh, you know initially when we were doing the um, financial breakdown of how you know we could survive with the money we had left and you know what measures we could take to. Um, you know, take care of people that weren't going to be taken care of. We realized quickly that a lot of these undocumented people or people with, with documentation challenges would be, um, would be, um, in trouble. And simultaneously, a lot of people were, you know, DMing us and emailing us about gift cards and merch. And, you know, gift cards are not the best way, um, to help because, I mean, they help now. It's money in now, but it's product out the door later. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like a loan, I guess. Yeah. Whereas, like, merch is not a good margin. And, um, you know, it, it's like, you know, retail clothes aren't always, I mean, I'm sure, like, you know, tons of people are making great, you know, businesses over doing that, but we're restaurants. So, um, you know, getting, getting, it's just not a, it's not a great margin. And, um, you know, we were kind of like, well, you know, Josh and Josh and I were trying to figure out how to, how to, how to uh, manage um, this closure. And we're like, well, you know, if we do a, a Venmo thing and we make it really easy for our Instagram uh, network or whatever to, um, you know, it's to, if we can direct that money to something more productive, um, you know, even though, you know, merch and gift cards would have helped the business a little bit more, we figured that this way we could solicit donations um, you know, because people already wanted to give us money. So maybe we could direct, redirect that, those feelings to people who needed it more. And that's like, you know, and then we could solve, we could have, we kind of take care of our own problem, right. By, um, you know, having, having some of these people who didn't have access to unemployment, um, you know, they could, they could get some sort of relief. So, um, we, you know, we raised it, uh, you know, over, over 34 K, um, wow. Oh, that's so it, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And it is wonderful. Um, and it's also crazy cause that's like, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's mesmerizing how quickly that disappears. And, uh, you know, um, we basically, um, match the government stimulus checks, um, for a group of people. And then, uh, beyond that, we distributed the rest of the funds to the staff at large. Um, so, you know, nobody would be penalized for, you know, being American or, you know, and I think that was important for us to make sure that, you know, our, our team didn't feel, um, you know, d didn't feel, uh, upset by, you know, prioritizing certain other people, but, you know, so making sure that everybody got money, um, was important. And we, you know, worded the, worded the fund pretty carefully, the flyer that we post on Instagram to indicate that. Um, yeah. and, um, you know, we, uh, 
Yeah, that, that's uh, and then, you know, so we still have some money in the fund that we're uh, continuing to stream in slowly. But now that we've like matched that stimulus check, um, we're not sure how we're gonna redistribute the rest, but we'll do it in a way that's fair and um, you know helps helps those in need, um, you know, as best as possible. Um, and kind of probably stick to the same. You know, we just got to find a new a new like barometer, right? This government stimulus check was our that was our our point to match, and then you know, so now we need to figure out another you know subjective like term of fairness, and um, you know, it's never going to be fair, but uh, you know, yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, <laughs> again, I'm saying that. Uh, and how how are your folks doing? Um, so, you know, I, I've been talking with a lot of different business owners and stuff, at, you know, some of whom have closed down, some of whom are still open for takeout and other operations and how they're uh, communicating to the, the staff right now, if they're having, you know, virtual yeah. lineups or doing stuff in person, like how have, how are your people holding up? They're, they're okay. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are stressed out and, you know, a lot of people are just, you know, this thing sucks. Like a lot, you know, even if you're getting a fat unemployment check and sitting at home, like, you know, that's not why you moved to New York, like to be in an apartment and, um, scared, you know, so, you know, we're, we're trying to send, uh, weekly updates and, um, to our staff and, uh, tag base with people and keep, keep tabs on everybody and encourage them to let us know how they feel comfortable coming back to work. And, um, you know, I think everybody's okay. Um, I think, you know, some of our staff is really frustrated with people's lack of willingness to quarantine and distance and, um, which is super understandable. Um, and it's, uh, you know, feels shitty to have like probably been a contributing factor to that when, you know, we were like, Hey, listen, it's like the flu, like we're doing what the government tells us to do. So like, you know, take it easy, come to work, wash your hands, don't be an idiot. And, uh, you know, but, but like, uh, you know, at the time, like, prioritizing the business over and like being careful, that was like the information we had. And um, I'm not excusing myself, um, but you know, that that's definitely, um, you know, I think, I think uh, I just hope our staff trusts us that we, you know, that we're, that we've always been keeping, you know, even, even in terms of prioritizing the business, it's like, you know, that's, you know, it's not like we're just like, you know, diving into the, the, the money and like, <laughs> Scrooge McDuck in it. Yeah. We're, you know, like, like a healthy business, you know, enables us to do things like take care of people. So, um, it, it's, it's just crazy. You know, it's, 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 I hope we're not, you know, I hope, I hope they give us the benefit of the doubt. And I, and I, I mean, we have over 50 employees or we have around 50 employees total. So, um, you know, we've, we've, we've done a lot of communicating via email, a lot of personal phone calls and, you know, I think people are okay. They're just like the rest of the world, scared and, you know, frustrated and sad um, and angry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I have this necklace that I like, uh, I've given out a, a, a few of them over the years. And it's from this British jewelry company that I like. And it's pl based on a, a bus sign that says not in service. And like, I've given it to a few friends to remind them, like, you can take a break every once in a while. But like one was saying yesterday, it's taken on a different meaning for her because she's so used to being in service. And that right. is really what's, what's eating at her right now, because you don't pick this life because it's easy. 
<laughs> you pick it because you're driven yeah. to it for a particular yeah. reason. And I know that's such a challenge for, for folks, especially if like the work right now for so many people is staying home. And that's a, that's really a tough pill to swallow if you're used to feeding other people. It's really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's the, it's definitely the, the weirdest challenge that I've ever, you know, and I, and I feel like a lot of, a lot of what's going on right now as well as like, is a psychological trauma, you know, because of, you know, like the, the damage is done and it's gonna, we're going to continue seeing damage. Um, we're going to continue seeing people die that didn't need to die. And, and it, and it's, um, and that's, that's always going to be tough. Um, but in addition to, you know, the, the collateral from this, this, you know, from COVID, we have to experience this like polarizing, chaotic political dynamic. That's like, you know, that's just really affecting everyone and making it worse. Um, you know, we're like the richest and, um, we're, we're like one of the, one of the richest countries in the world and most advanced countries in the world. And, you know, you look at, you look at Taiwan and South Korea and um, New Zealand and Germany, and you see how, how these countries, you know, took care of their, of their problems with, with COVID and, um, you know, South Korea, had a big problem and they can't, they got under control and took care of it. And, uh, you know, it's like, I know it's not one person's fault, but it, it's definitely, uh, you know, the, the chaos and the, the disjointed management team in, in our, at the top is, is like, you know, palpable. And, uh, I think it's, I think that's where I get really like, you know, feel defeated is that I, I just don't, I don't know if, based on the way people have reacted to that and like been blindly defensive or, you know, I just don't, I don't know if we're going to like, we're going to address that issue. I don't think people are willing to, to see that it's a problem. And if that's, if, if people can't even see that there's like chaotic disjointed, you know, um, problems at the top right now and aren't willing to, you know, be critical, then how are people with documentation, challenge it's going to get pathways to citizenship after you know like laying down you know their you know everything to to jump back to work because they have to because they have no choice you know it's like i i, I don't know no it's i mean it, i keep referring to it as weaponized anxiety because uh, it, it feels like you know a lot of mis misinformation or confusion or whatever is you know is a is a tactic and i i just have to hope that you know, people who are not maybe seeing that right now eventually are able to recognize and, and realize it. And especially sort of, you know, I have to believe that we're going to get past this particular point of it, the disease infection part of it, but it's laid bare a lot of the faulty foundation on which so much of this was built and especially restaurants, like whose labor is valued or not valued. And I keep thinking about the critical role of diners uh, during this and what they will be willing to, I mean, they're going to see it because restaurants are going to be very, very different. 
and prices are going to have to change and the structure of service is going to have to change to allow for these protections. And I can't help but think once people see that, that, uh, you know, this, this fundamental part of their life that they have taken for granted has changed, that maybe that will I don't know, show a human face to it, maybe make them understand a little bit more about the, the, the actual cost of, you know, what goes into their meals. I mean, I, I'm trying to be optimistic as best I can, but, you know, yeah. as each day takes by, it's harder. Not, not to be pessimistic, but, you know, people in, you know, with bigger, with more space, um, you know, they're definitely feeling this too, but it's a lot easier, you know, if you're in Kentucky or Virginia and, you know, you live on three acres and you can, um, you know, pretty carefully like get in your car and wear gloves and masks and go to the store and get some stuff and come home and cook for a week, you know, it's a lot different than being cooped up in your apartment and ordering takeout and delivery and trying to, you know, wait in line to get in the grocery store. And, you know, it's like, it's just, I don't think people are, I don't think we're going to all walk out understanding what this was like you know you know what i mean it's yeah. like yeah it's like it's kind of like the insular city view versus the middle america view and i and i don't and i think that's going to get kind of twisted and um turned around and you know yeah and um, if i'm allowed to say this like you you've got a little bitty baby at home and yeah. and yeah. uh and the parks and and everything are, are are closed. And I've seen my colleagues with kids, you know, some of them really struggling because it's, you know, it's not like we live in the suburbs where you can run out and go to the playground or go in and, or have a big yard and can, and yeah. can go and do these things. You've, you've got, how old is, is your baby? Well, luckily she's, she's only, uh, yeah, seven weeks. Uh, <gasps> I didn't know so she was that new. Oh, yeah. She's really new. Um, so she, she was born on March 4th. Oh, um, wow. And, uh, you know, right before all this stuff, right before shit hit the fan. Um, and, you know, after we closed, um, I, I ran the family down to Virginia and we, we stayed at, uh, my aunt's got like a little cabin in, in the, in a rural area outside of Charlottesville. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's more like a little farmhouse. Um, uh, so we, we went there and uh, posted up and I actually, uh, I actually came down with what, you know, my ER doctor thought was COVID and I think is COVID. Um, while I was down there, um, my wife lost her sense of taste and smell. Oh, wow. Yeah. Medically affected. But I, I was like, you know, had fever and chills and sweats and, you know, my lungs were, uh, my lungs were sore and I couldn't, I, I, I every time I make tea, I'd, have a coughing fit and hardly could catch my breath, had a headache, fatigue, like, uh, you know, all of the symptoms and, uh, you know, tested negative for influenza and pneumonia. So, you know, my ER doctor is like, well, you know, like could be some respiratory virus we don't know about, but you know, like you pretty much have this thing. Um, yeah. so, um, I'm going to prescribe you some, uh, cough medicine and, um, you know, make sure you take Tylenol um, and come back if you can't catch your breath. And, uh, you know, I, I basically quarantined myself in Virginia for, uh, you know, um, for, for, you know, a renewed 14 day period. And once I hit that, I took a test, um, that I was able to get down there. Um, there's like a chain, um, clinic called better med that, uh, has contract with uh, Abbott, um, 
Abbott, uh, the, the company that makes the test. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I was, I drove like a couple hours to go get a test and tested, uh, inconclusive the first time. And then, um, then t- tested again a few days later, um, and, um, and tested negative. So, um, you know, that, that was like, well, after my symptoms had passed So um, you know, I was already in like a clear, um, you know, quarantine period, but, uh, I was out of the woods there, um, in terms of quarantining. So I I have expected not to, not to come back positive, but it was nice to know that because I'm coming around, coming back to New York and being around food. So, um, you know, and if you have the antibodies now, yeah, hopefully. Right. I mean, hopefully that's, that's like a thing. And, um, you can't re re recontract it or whatever, but, uh, you know, it, it, it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry I, you had to go through that. No, I mean, honestly, I'm glad that it's funny. I, I'm, I'm glad that I did. And, you know, my mother-in-law who's, who came to visit the baby, the newborn baby and has been, uh, you know, parked with us for the past, you know, she's, she's over 60. So we're, we're definitely worried about her and she got a cold, around the time when I got it and, uh, had like kind of a dry cough, but, um, it didn't, you know, maybe she's not symptomatic, you know, maybe I didn't have it or I, I don't know what the hell it was if I did, if I didn't have it, but, um, you know, Patty, um, my wife had, had the, had the symptoms of like a, or a, had non-symptomatic carrier, you know, signals like with the, the loss of taste and smell. Um, so you know, who, who knows really, but we were definitely worried about my mother-in-law and I was grateful that it was, you know, allegedly COVID over influenza because influenza would have been really terrible for the baby. Uh, but I haven't had like a fever since I was in like fifth grade or something. I had, I had like a two degree fever for like, you know, almost a week. And it was like, um, Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like it, it was, it was definitely tense, but I'm, 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 you know, it was like best case scenario. It would be terrible if my wife had to deal with that while nursing. And, um, you know, with older folks, it would, it's a little bit more serious. Right. So I'm, I'm glad my mother-in-law didn't have to go through it. And then, you know, we were able to kind of like ride it out. And then, um, I drove back and spent a week opening the restaurant, um, solo, um, without my wife and, uh, family. And then I went back down there when we closed for mon- Monday and Tuesday last week and picked them up and they're back here. Um, you know, healthy and happy. So, you know, all things considered, you know, just blessed to be busy and, uh, you know, working with a lot of these guys that are, you know, um, happy to have work as well. Um, I'm so grateful for what you're doing and, and helping other folks out and that you have emerged as, as this, this voice, uh, during it, because, uh, there's so much ahead. Um, I, there's a, one more question I wanted to ask you because I'm, yeah. I'm work, working on a piece about this and I, I, uh, I figured you would probably have a great answer. Um, I feel like often the general public doesn't know what who porters are and what they do and why they're so valuable. Can you talk a little bit about why we need to value porters? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's kind of like this, this like, you know, this position that you, that if you're not in the business, you don't even really understand it and you can like think about it and conceptualize it, but you still aren't going to really, like the the work that a porter typically will do um 
you know, my understanding of version of a port, like your porters are run a, run a span, they span a few different types of jobs, right? Do- washing dishes, general, uh, keeping things, generally keeping things clean. Uh, you know, sometimes these porter roles can, uh, um, grow into like facilities and facility maintenance or, um, you know, um, uh, dining room, you know, sometimes porters like, you know, are out in the dining room more, um, busing stuff, but I mean, that, that's typically not, not the case, but you know, my, my porters, um, at the restaurants are, uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, it's, it's not just a dishwasher, right. But, um, you know, these guys are, uh, doing stuff that, um, that your average American doesn't want to do or know how to do. Um, and, uh, once kind of like they typically, once people realize what kind of work goes into it, um, you know, they, they, they run away from it. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, you know, like our you know, porters, you know, it's like, you know, you're working with degreaser chemicals, cleaning hood vents, um, you know, scrubbing, uh, you know, like just scrubbing shit and, uh, clean, you know, cleaning like even like you know in new york you don't really think about often like who's like cleaning the sidewalk but you know these guys will often like you know power help us power wash the sidewalk and you know josh and i are um typically like you know right there with them doing that stuff as well um but you know on a daily basis um you know a lot of these a lot of this like grunt work is um is you know fulfilled by uh by folks that um are just like, you know, you just don't even notice them. Cause it's, it's like, a you know, it, it, I, I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm rambling a little bit here, but it's, it's hard for like a, it's hard for somebody that's not in the industry to have this like appreciation for a porter because it's simply like, um, you know, it just, it just sounds kind of simplified when you, when you put it in words, but like the, the amount of work and, you know, pride and like just clean being clean and taking and keeping things clean and, you know, efficiently cleaning. It's not an easy job and uh, a lot of people aren't willing to do it. Um, This is why I'm writing this story because I want people to be able to appreciate this. And I have this crazy fantasy that when, you know, things come back from this, that porters are, are valued so much more and paid so much more. And there's, I don't know, something because they're the backbone of the, of of so many restaurants. And I don't know businesses are changing and it's, you know, it's not like the nineties or um, the early two thousands where you just like, you know, you can throw anybody in there. Um, I think, <laughs> like, I think, you know, out coming up, I think coming out of this COVID thing, there's going to be a lot of like owner operators and a lot of big groups, right? Like the Ruth Chris's that get, you know, like 20 million <laughs> and then there's going to be like owner operators that like, you know, roll up their sleeves and like, or, you know, lucky enough to stay in business. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be in between as well, but I think, um, you know, I, I think if you're on the owner operator side of that spectrum, you know, you're not a good owner operator if you don't know your borders intimately and consider them yeah. as some important people you work with and, uh, go to great measure to take care of those people. Um, I, which I think all really the good, the good ones do. <laughs> I hope yeah. at least. Yeah. I mean, you but know, I mean- I, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> 
But, but yeah, I keep, I keep thinking I want, uh, this is, uh, and I asked that question because I want the diners to know. And if prices go up in restaurants, I want them to know the people who it's, who it's going to, uh, and who we really have to take care of and know the value of those, those people. Cause I know that like the owner operators, you know, do what they can and they, they value and, and all of that. But I think that there's a lot of public education that we can do with this. So I, I, really appreciate that uh explanation and i appreciate yeah. everything that you're well, doing and so if people want to i don't feel like i'm doing anything like crazy you know like it's like i i know it seems like it may seem like we're ahead of it or doing this great like we're but you know it's like if we can take care of our business and our family and our like restaurant community and like everybody could do that then like you know, it might save, you know, dependence on, you know, shitty federal leadership or so, you know, the, I, I don't know how, you know, I, we're just doing what we have to do. It's not, you know, we're not these like crazy, um, you know, philanthropists. We're just, you know, we're trying to take care of people who deserve to be taken care of. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. Um, anyway, yeah. Thank, thank you for, for, for asking me some questions and having me on. Thank you so much to our guest today, Trig Brown, and I will include the uh, his Venmo handle in this and uh, links to his restaurants if you're anywhere in the delivery area. Um, they're still turning out incredible food, um, you know, per all of my colleagues who have been ordering it um, because we all at Food and Wine really, really love Winson and and Winson Bakery, and uh, you know we love Trig, and you know we really truly care about all the people who are working in restaurants and not working in restaurants uh, right now. So um, we're also including a link to all the resources that are available to um, help out folks. So there is still an industry to return to. Um, if you can possibly make your voice heard to uh, members of Congress, to anyone who will listen, um, saverestaurants.com, used to be saverestaurants.co, I guess somebody gave up the domain, um, are really, uh, it's, it's, it's a coalition of people who have come together to issue a full-throated cry for um, really a, a future for this industry and go there and figure out ways that you can help. We also are including um, lists to every single uh, you know group that we can we run across um, locally and nationally. Uh, the more of us who come together, the louder we can all scream collectively. Um, and it's okay to ask for help right now, too, if you're a person who is suffering, who's maybe laid off from your job or facing an uncertain future, it is okay to ask for help. Um, you know, you're the people who keep us fed, keep us happy, keep us, uh, you know, safe and, and it's, it's time really for all of us to take care of you as well. So please let us know uh, what you need. Don't be afraid to reach out to any of these organizations that are offering help. Anybody is just, you know, a, a disaster away from uh, facing some really dire circumstances. We were, you know, not everybody is facing the same challenges, but everybody is facing something and we are collectively stronger together. 
So this is uh, part of Food Wine Pro, as I said at the top. Um, that is our section of the magazine and the website and uh, in-person events where we really try to speak to the industry and um, you know address what you're facing um, in good times and in bad, and really try to uh, amplify your voices and you know let you know you're not alone. Figure out better ways to do things. Offer advice from experts and. Uh, just create a place where people can rally and celebrate the industry that we all love. So if you go to foodandwine.com slash FWPro, you can see all of our latest stories there. And also sign up for the uh, Food and Wine Pro newsletter written by our editor-in-chief, Hunter Lewis, uh, our Oset Babur, our associate restaurant editor, and I work on that, as well as uh, Kelsey Youngman, who works in our test kitchen and is an incredible human being who is also a certified meditation uh instructor. So she's uh, she offers words of wisdom to us at our weekly all staff meeting. And we share that in the newsletter every week. So please sign up for that. And you'll find always the links to the latest podcasts in there. Thank you so much to our production team, Jennifer Martnick and Hallie Tarpley, um, as well as our photo editor, Sarah Crowder, who are they're working from home as well and still getting stuff done. And I really, really appreciate everything that they have put into these podcasts. So thank you so much to them. And most importantly, take good care of yourself until the next time.